podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello there, my name is Miles Jupp, cricket fan, and together with my co-host Mark Wood, actual cricket man, we invite you to listen to Middle Please Umpire, a new cricket podcast containing the two of us banging on and sounding off together about cricket and quite possibly all manner of other things while lifting the lid on Mark's life as an international cricketer. And as if that wasn't enough, we shall be welcoming some great guests along the way and chatting to them about life on and off the playing field as they spill the beans, drop some truth bombs and see if they can withstand the scrutiny of our brutal interrogations. Middle Please Umpire is available right now from all your favourite podcast providers. Hello and welcome to the Whistleblowers. It's Monday night, so we're still going on this week's round of fixtures, which actually we'll come on to in a minute because there's just been rather exciting result, but delighted to say I'm joined with uh, my two favourite guests, my two compadres, yes. uh, Gareth Dobson. Yes, we made it. Gareth, great Hi. to have you on. <laughs> and it's Mark Smith. Smith. Obviously Mark Smith, sorry, just shouting over you there, Gareth. Mark Smith uh, back on um, in his regular slot, uh, avoiding childcare, avoiding, avoiding putting his son to bed hour, which um, I think you're yeah, quite happy yeah, with. Yeah. I'm absolutely delighted with that, I've got to be honest. Uh, it's nice to be with you again. My favourite podcast in the world. Uh, after what was a brilliant result, I thought for uh, Fulham tonight. I'm sure we'll talk about that later on. But yeah, well, really good game. Yeah, it was a cracker, wasn't it? Let's come back. Let's come on to that later. I uh, just um, uh, a couple of things to probably flag. I mean, Maradona obviously left his last last week. Now it does feel like an awful long time ago, doesn't it? And um, that was sad to see. Gareth, how does he rank up there for you in in the annals of of great players? Uh, so he's number one, and I think you know it, between him and Pele, it's obviously you know hard to argue, and you know they're, they're quite different players. But for me, Maradona takes the top spot just for sort of personality and everything else around it. I love the fact that he was an utter utter bastard, but also <laughs> an utter bastard who was a national saint, and you know basically won the FA Cup, sorry, won the World Cup for his country, and did it almost to, you know to spite. The, the terrible English country side of a war with him. You know, the whole thing was magnificent. Yeah, absolutely. But and and worth noting that both him and Pele were top shaggers. So uh, you know, it's great to see Maradona come out on top for for just pure spiteful reasons. If anything, if anything, Pele was too nice, which uh, is always a downside. Uh, Mark, uh, did you find yourself watching rewatching the Diego doc or, or doing anything to to Mark? Yeah, I How did. do you feel as an Englishman? I was uh, I was absolutely gutted. I didn't think I'd be that that upset really I, I sort of it surprised me um i think as an english football fan you start off if you're of, of my sort of age you start off thinking that maradona's the bad guy and then you sort of realize actually no he's just an artist and he's yeah. just uh, like a lot of be- the best artists a bit tortured and uh, he was just i mean i i i understand you know yes maradona and pele but for me maradona's probably clear of pele like pele's counting goals he scored in the playground i'm not having that yeah Maradona yep. was just on a different level, I think, and uh, yeah, like Gareth said, it's it's the, the whole person, you know. It's not just the footballer; it's everything that makes him such a um, sort of enchanting uh, personality and, and and footballer. Very much the the Mitchell and Webb sketch of we we're, we're actually the bad guys. I think England were working out that you know it's just you and Peter Shilton sat around a campfire going, whose side would I rather be on in all of this? But um let's let's stick with South America because uh, more Ferrari around which well I don't like talking. I mean this isn't a gossip column. This let's let's just stress that. But Cavani's not yet. Perf- well, not yet. Cavani's performance, let's see engagement levels. We can we can talk to Leon about numbers later. But uh, in terms of performances on the pitch, Cavani 
incredible. And I mean, I, like Gareth, I'll start with you. I just was it an inspired sub, or was it Mason Greenwood just forced all his hand? Because I mean, that that was something else. I, I was a little surprised that uh, Greenwood was started over Cavani in the first place. I do appreciate that Cavani played in midweek and didn't really pull up any trees. But he, I thought, you know, Cavani's recent sub appearances for Manchester have been really impressive. And what, watching it, actually, the play in his, you know, he's now was he thirty three, and in his slightly more advanced age, he really reminds me of Teddy Sheringham. Um, mm. you know, sort of at his kind of uh, it's a great you know, show. his peak at Manchester United, but you know, he's so clever. And you know, suddenly, you know, Manchester United were finding Cavani, and every time they found Cavani, he was in these you know, fantastic um, you know, positions, and it just looked like he was being unmarked or just left his own thing. And obviously, that's usually a sign of a player with fantastic movement and anticipation. And um, you know, it's people talk about you know, the lost start of the number nine. and Maybe that's true, but I, I, I think he you know, he really can make a difference as a impact player for United this year. A great assessment there, uh, Mark. Did you did you watch it? Yeah, watched it. Um, I think to to address that first point, Gareth. Um, I don't think Greenwood would have started. I think Martial got ill the night before, mm-hmm. um, so that probably explains why Greenwood started. But Cavani just looks unbelievable. I mean. I haven't been saying this, but it's been said for probably 18 months that United need a proper number nine. I don't necessarily agree with that, but I think I agree with the fact that they need one of them in their squad rather than necessarily the first team. And he's shown there that when you play a different system and you play to that sort of strength, it's 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 very beneficial to have some of that sort of experience and also someone who can bring through those younger strikers. I mean, you know, Martial isn't necessarily a young player anymore, but he's young in terms of being a number nine. Rashford's still young. Obviously, Greenwood's very young. I got a text uh, from my friend Reese, uh, in fact, friend of the podcast, Reese James, Indeed. and he said during it that, um, you know when you're on holiday and you're playing sort of diving headers in the pool and someone <laughs> chucks the ball up? It was like that for the first goal. Like His anticipation was such that he just knew. He, he seemed to just have a sense of exactly where it was going. And it, it was just unbelievable. It was it was just great anticipation. He's, sure, a, that goal, he's a good player. Sorry, that goal was... Yeah, it was so fun. It was so brilliant. It's so... You rarely see a goal like that. And actually, the, the, the Paul uh, analogy is, is superb. It was exactly like that. There's, yeah, a, yeah. there's um, something... I was let, you, well, you're kind of taking half the words out of my mouth because there, there was a purpose about him when he came on. It was just this no-nonsense. Mm. No-nonsense. And, and to be... I, I, there was an interest. I mean, I didn't see the preamble when he was coming off, you know, coming off the bench to go on because Jonathan Liu wrote about it and he was like, oh, took ages putting his boots on, the game had started and he was still tying up his boot and he was still, you know, not part of it. Um, but, but, you know, that probably wasn't apparent to us. When he came on the purpose, he just looked at it, but it, Mark, it was a dream game to come on in. You're 2-0 t- down, so you can't you can't lose in this situation. Absolutely. Plus you've got 45 minutes and... As long as long as the first two or three things go for you in the half, I was looking at Fulham tonight. I was thinking, as long as they don't concede early in the second half, they'll Absolutely have this. Right. But yes, that, 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 that on the rack straight away. That for Cavani was like uh, I always think a goalkeeper in a penalty shootout. Like you can't really <laughs> lose. It's just it's just it's a free hit. Go and enjoy it. I mean, when he was putting his boots on at the start of the second half, it was you. You did see it on TV, and I could just imagine what Roy Keane was doing in the studio. <laughs> I mean, he would have been just going ape shit in there it was uh, I don't know what happened there I mean it must happen quite a bit I think where, where a player knows he's coming on but hasn't really run on the pitch properly and maybe it's rained a bit and something's <laughs> different 
and I think he just changed his studs or whatever it was, but it, it looked ridiculous. And had he not had a good game, people, I guarantee people would have been talking about that moment, being like, look, Ollie can't get his players ready. There's no communication. This is rubbish. But as it turned out, uh, maybe the boot change was a good one. That's one hut, right? You're 100% bang on that. It doesn't matter who the manager was when I was playing. They almost had even... Like Polster, from the start to the finish, from the start of my career to the end, it was like, you're not ready to come on. You should have, you should be padded up. You should have your tapes on. You have, you know, literally almost have your shirt on, ready to go on. You should be yeah, itching. Yeah. And then at the end of my career, Diddy Haman, who was the most laid back, zero fucks given sort of attitude towards a lot of things, but still that was a, he would go mental. If you didn't have your pads yeah. on, to, if he saw someone putting the pads on, taping up, sometimes you change his mind and go, saw that you're not coming on. Whoever's got their pads on, yeah, going yeah. on. and it'd be just this that level. I of, do get that though. I, I do oh, no, get no, that one hundred percent. But you can only get away with it if you're a player like Cavani. Like there's, but, there, if Mason Green would have been doing it, he would have been vilified regardless. Yeah, but Mason Greenwood, you'd understand it a bit more. He's an eighteen-year-old kid or nineteen-year-old. But Cavani's been around the block several times. <laughs> you'd have thought of all of all the players in that entire squad. Yeah. In all the players of all the the both squads involved in that game, he's the last one you'd expect. Anyway, it doesn't matter. It, it, it was such a minor point, but it was just uh, it was just quite funny and a brilliant performance. Means that we we shouldn't have actually talked about it as much as we just have. Yeah, absolutely, Gareth. I I, if, I should have asked you to. Pray what's the musical equivalent of that of taking ages to get ready maybe dragging your heels on an album release or just being shit at promo you know the well, let's, some... let, let's go Stone Rose's second album <laughs> <laughs> perfect perfect analogy alright let's move on swiftly I'd, I'd, let's, I'd like to move on to the managers because Ollie's got another stay reprieve another another stay of execution from us for that because um, you know I just I, that was a classic Premier League game and to be honest there's bigger things to chat about um, Jose versus Lampard, Mark. I'm going to come on to uh, Gareth because Gareth's skewed. Gareth's a Spurs. He's, he's yeah, firmly in the Spurs camp. But no, that's who, fine. Who, who, was the, who was the winner there? If that was a cricket losing or scoring draw, was that honours even? Yeah, I think I think pretty much. Yeah, I think uh, I think actually Lampard uh, sort of did what Jose used to do against the big teams, which was just don't lose it, just stay stay in with the shout and. Stay competitive. Um, the difference between that game, uh, Chelsea Spurs, and, and Chelsea United a few weeks back, which was also nil-nil, was in that game, Chelsea didn't really look to try and attack. They definitely weren't the aggressors like they were uh, against Spurs. So I think they'll be a bit more disappointed with that one. But they didn't ever really threaten Chelsea. They, they had a few a few half chances. They didn't really... You know, a lot of it was just getting bored into the box and Spurs just defended it brilliantly. And Roden in particular, given it's his first huge game. You know, I think it was his first start, Gareth, in the Premier League. I'm not, I'm not sure about that. But he, uh, just, yeah. he just looked great. And and it felt like Chelsea were playing to their strengths. A lot of balls into the box. Um, Tammy Abraham, is he's a handful. Of course he is. And when Giroud comes on, he's even more of a handful. But I think they dealt with it pretty well. Um, and I think Lampard... He'd be pleased he didn't lose, but I think, I think he'll feel like they could have won that game. Joe's, on the other hand... I don't know how it happens, but in a nil-nil, pretty pretty dull game, apart from the first 20 minutes or so, Jose was still box office. I don't really know how he's done that. Um, <laughs> well, let's, bring, uh, let's bring Gareth in, because put that back-to-back. Back. The thing is with, the, with Jose, I think you're looking at a slightly bigger picture. He'll always cite victories of trophies or what's happened as a, at the end of the season You're like don't judge me on one game you know there's an o- there's an overarching form or or whatever and and I think Spurs are very much in that at the minute yeah I I think so and I think that's reflected by the fact that 
Mourinho seemed desperate just to not lose the game. Um, I'm sure it, you know, he, he would have been aware going in that a draw, you know, leaves Spurs at the top of the table for another week. And I, I think, yeah, he was pretty satisfied with that. Also, uh, with Lampard, I always assumed that when two became uh, managerial peers, there would be, you know, quite a big loving. And I, I think it's pretty much the opposite. There's, you know, I mean, Lampard's a, a fairly chippy personality already, but, you know, him and Mourinho, it looks like there's something between them. And I think that made Lam- uh, Mourinho doubly keen to make sure that he didn't lose another game. To Do you think they were having a, a glass of wine after the match, though, Gareth? Yeah, I do. I, I think that it's... It's that sort of super competitive nature right into the game, and immediately after there'll be, you know, how's the kids, how's the how's the family? But um, it's sort of interesting. You, know, I agree with what you're saying. You both managed, I think, basically settle for the draw, and it felt like they kind of settled for that draw around about the same time, somewhere around the 70, 75th minute. I, I was I was most pleased, I think, to see. Um, Timo Werner go off and yeah to your point about Rodon is that you know he's I think he's built to handle people like uh like Giroud yes uh, maybe a lot more than someone like Werner um actually there's uh Rodon does remind me a little bit of um of uh Michael Dawson who you know served Spurs for a, a very long time as a sort of a very keen and rugged and wholehearted player who maybe wasn't the best but you know was did a really good job, and I, I think that's. But made these, work. you're absolutely right. These these are centre backs who who have have learnt their trade in the championship, and who can absolutely handle those sort of strikers. But you're right. Like Werner is the opposite of what he's had to deal with in his in his so far short career, and he wouldn't have fancied it. And I was surprised Werner went off. No, and I you know it surprised me. Yeah, and also I think the key for Chelsea. Uh, was that Ziyech never really got going or certainly didn't play as well as he has in the last few games. And, you know, he, he was so... He's such a compelling player when he's playing well. Um, I think they they like that. And obviously, there, there's something going on with Havertz, whether he's not fully recovered from, from COVID or, or maybe now there's there's a question about what um, Lampard sort of prefers sort of attacking uh, triad is. Uh, it's It was interesting he, him come on so late um, and with, you know, I, I think with Spurs, they they were overly cautious. I think they were worried about Rodon and Soko. Basically, spent the whole time kind of uh, protecting both Aurier's position because obviously Aurier loves to wander forward, and also you know, kept half an eye on what was behind him. So it did sort of limit the numbers in which Spurs went forward. But I'm not not convinced they would have gone forward that many more anyway. Well, Is that it, the quietest you've seen, Kane? Yeah, I, I thought actually that's a good point. I I thought Kante was was really good and was maybe the sort of the pick of the players. He was kind of you know sort of prime prime Kante from a couple of years ago, where he was just you know picking pockets and moving up and down and, and just looking like you know sort of a killer bee of uh, defensive insanity. <laughs> Very good. All right, new well, album coming soon. <laughs> Listen, uh, it wasn't a dreadful nil-nil. Let's let's probably just put it that way. Um, another interesting draw, interesting probably for for a lot of other reasons. But uh, Brighton and Liverpool. Um, did either you see this, uh, Mark? Did you see this game? Martin, take it as read that I have no life and I have watched every game at least twice. Yes, I saw. Um, I, I love asking you it though every week just because it always gets that. <laughs> But you sound like a comedian from the 90s. Where you're like, did, you, did you see this? Uh, did, did you Politicians see are in the news again. Do you see this? Did, did you see that game? <laughs> um, 
<laughs> I, I did see it. I, I've been I've been um, sort of very impressed with Brighton generally this season. Um, they seem to always turn up against the bigger teams. Mm-hmm. And so far this season, they've been unlucky and they haven't really picked anything up. They were good against United, good against Chelsea, lost them both. And here, they were probably as good as either of those games and they absolutely deserve to get something out of it. Um, Liverpool, as we always we always say, they can, they can take out half their team, three quarters of their team, and they'll still be very aggressive and competitive and the best team in the league. What I can't understand, though, and I don't know if I've got this completely wrong or what, but everyone's been talking about this VAR decision and the offsides, which also VAR decisions. To me, that they're, they're not that controversial. That there's loads of there's loads of examples of VAR where you can go right. Well, this isn't working. Look at this. This isn't one of them. This isn't one of the arguments. And it was just it was very galling to come off the back of a, a draw for Brighton, a great result for Brighton, go back into the studio for BT Sport and have two Liverpool ex players. As often is the case, I get that. And for them just to be talking about that and that alone. And it yeah. just felt like this isn't really the time. And then you had the thing with obviously Klopp and Des Kelly go at it. But then you had within sort of 12 hours, James Milner, who is like a really decent bloke, really stoic, and he doesn't complain. He just gets on with it. But obviously something's been said, and, and he's gone on Twitter, and so have a few others, and, and been talking about, oh, VAR's ruining the game. It's like you've got to be consistent with this. This isn't the one to go for. This isn't the decision that was made. This isn't a howler that was made in the game. There's been worse ones than this. Pick your battles. This isn't the one. And it makes it makes all the arguments that players have and managers have and fans have, it makes it seem... It lessens it when you complain about this sort of decision, when there are actual terrible ones happening. It just really wound me up. And I thought it really detracted from Brighton being, uh, being very good. Well, that's the most balanced thing I've ever had. Gareth, uh, anything you can add to that? So, I mean, yeah, to... To your point, Mark, it, I get a sense that the reason why people didn't like that VAR call was because it was something that probably would not have been picked up otherwise. And it's almost yeah. a, how dare you, you know, how dare you pick this up? That that should have just happened and we just get on with it. It was almost, I think it was almost, seen as, well, that's almost VAR being, you know, pernickety. So, you know, how, yes. how dare it kind of see something which was relatively not, because, you know, like you said in the, Cold light day, black and white, etc. It, it's a penalty, and it's fairly clear. And you know, I don't know how debatable it is, but yeah, it's almost just this annoyance that you, you're sort of airing the dirty laundry of what happens with imperfect footballers. Well, uh, yeah, I think that's a perfect uh, summation of the game. And uh, let's talk about the other results when we come back. If you want an e-bike that doesn't look like it's made for the shopping precinct, something that's less Mr Bean and more Steve McQueen, check out the range of bikes from London-based Cooler King. From dope 250-watt city bikes to Harley Bobber-inspired 750-watt beasts that can tear your face off while leaving your smile intact. Cooler Kings are made in limited numbers, yet highly affordable. Check them out now on the web at cooler.bike or find them on Instagram with hashtag CoolerKingBike. Cooler.bike. E-bikes that are cool AF. Hi, welcome back, gents. Uh, We finished up on 
Jurgen Klopp and let's get back to the football now because I think uh, there was plenty other matches to, to to go through that were of interest because we've, got, we've had two teams have their first wins. West Brom, uh, I think I'd like to talk about because they don't get talked about an awful lot in here, Mark, do they? No, they don't. I think last week we talked about um, Sheffield United and how I've lost sympathy for them and you, you know, that, that absolutely stands now still. West Brom have got players who can change a game, and, and that's what separates them from the likes of Sheffield United. They've got, West Brom try and win games, and they've got players that can do that. And Dean Garner didn't even start on, uh, was it Friday night? Yeah, Saturday? I, know. I can't he's, remember. He's been way out of form, hasn't he, recently? But, he has, yeah, he didn't even start. But you've still got the likes of Callum Robinson, you've still got Pereira, who absolutely looks like he could play for a top top six side. Um, Robson Khan, who can come on, they can do things. And I don't necessarily think they're going to stay up. I mean, they might do. But they're going to give it a proper shot. And that's what I like about West Brom. And, yep. and this is a West Brom side that feels different to previous incarnations where you feel like they've just come up, they're going to go down without a fight. That's not going to happen this time. No chance. Billich won't allow that. Um, they play with some real quality, real high energy. Colin, uh, Conor Gallagher looks like a fantastic signing. Um, and, you know, I think they've definitely got a, they've got a shot of staying up and they've got enough quality in there. And the likes of Ivanovic coming in, we talk about it all the time. Just some experience in there, some some good experience of Premier League. Not just experience of Premier League, because anyone can go up, come down, have an awful time of it, and then just sort of look shell-shocked in the dressing room at a new club. Ivanovic has won leagues. He knows what he's doing. He can marshal the defence. And there's no reason why they, they can't, you know, kick on and do something more. Their goalkeeper looks great. They've got, they've got four or five players who I really like. As I say, I don't necessarily think they're going to stay up, but I do think they're going to give it a proper shot. And, uh, you know, you can't really ask for more than that. No, nope, you can't. And uh, a win can do marvellous things for a team, can't it, Gareth? I mean, we'll probably, again, we'll keep saying we're going to come on to film in a minute, but um, how that can change the mentality of not just the players, but give Slav and Bilic a little bit of a respite. Yeah, I think so. It's, you know, I, I think there were people who were half wondering whether he was still going to be here after the, the last international break. But it does feel like he, you know, with a bit of time, he's working on a team and, you know, they do have a sort of a clear style of how they're going to play and, you know, they are going to go out all guns blazing and um, they are the most fun and exciting West Brom team I can remember. Um, yep. Certainly in the last 20 years, a lot better than Gary Megson teams and, and so forth. And uh, the other thing is, I think this was officially the first relegation six-pointer of the season. So, nice yeah, to get that right. out of the way. There we go. Yeah, and what, you, yeah. what are your thoughts on Wilder, Gareth? Because, I mean, it's, it, is this a sophomore slump, difficult second season? It's 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 shows how it's difficult Stone it Rose is. Stone Rose's second album. <laughs> there we are. Absolutely. The second bombing or whatever you would like to call it. I mean, it's not been great, is it? No, it's um, he. He seems short of ideas, and I, I, you know, it is tricky. You know, they they exceeded expectations by so far last year, and yeah, there's a multitude of reasons why maybe it's not working. Losing key central defenders, the lack of crowds for a club that probably does rely on their stadium and atmosphere more. But overall, they're just they're just not the races, and nothing is working. And obviously, you know, the the players they brought in in the summer have made no real impact. You're kind but of they shopping. can't make an impact. You, they, they, they've got Brewster. I said, this, I think I said this last week. I said it on one of the multitude of shows that I go on and talk nonsense on. I'm not sure if I'm repeating <laughs> myself on here or not. But they brought in Brewster, club record signing, someone who we get told time and time again is a fantastic finisher, best finisher at the club, blah, blah, blah. We're never going to find out if he doesn't play him. 
And it's no good bringing on a 20-year-old kid for five minutes here, 10 minutes there. You need to give him games. You need to give him a proper chance. Now, before this West Brom game, I said that I think Sheffield United might still stay up, or they will still stay up, I said, because their games have been so difficult. They've played everyone in the top six or whatever. I can't don't know the exact stats. Don't expect that from me. But they've now played West Brom in what Gareth is absolutely right to call the first six point of the season. And they were... They made some chances, yes, but they were toothless up front. They had nothing going. Brewster came on, you know, showed some good movement, but you can't expect a kid to come on and change a game like that at this level. You need to give him minutes, and that's why I'm I'm not losing sympathy. I've lost sympathy. I, I want him to do well. I like Wilder, but he really is making it difficult for me to to like him as, as much as I did last season. Well, I love the fact that you are... You are absolutely triggered by Sheffield United now. It's incredible. I'm livid. It's just, it's the disappointment. It's just the, yeah, I'm, I'm here for it. Listen, from, uh, you're, you're talking about one player making an impact, you're absolutely bang on, but uh, for another team, I think that's quite apparent, the, the difference that he does make. Palace losing another uh, game to to Newcastle this time, who they would probably consider certainly on parity with in terms of league positions, but, but a team that um, they certainly wouldn't want to lose to, Mark. Yeah, I mean that. I mean, yeah, not not a six pointer, is it? But it's it's something similar in those in those positions. Um, yeah, I mean Newcastle. Uh, I'm a big Steve Bruce fan. I think he's done really well since coming in. He came into quite a toxic environment, um, and he. I think. I, well, I hope he's won over a lot of people. Um, the game against Palace. As a neutral for this one, it, it felt a bit of a letdown because I want to I want to see Zaha, I want to see some maximum, and neither one of them are playing. And you think, okay, well, it's going to be it's going to be nothing, is it then? But actually, Palace has still got some real quality, uh, real proper ball players in there. I love um, Eze. I think he looks fantastic. Um, I still like. If there's, there's a few of their players I'm I'm a big fan of. Uh, Newcastle look like they. I've, you know, they've got a semblance of a, a really good side here. There are some players in there who I think are very solid. Um, Callum Wilson, I think, is just a great signing. I think he's a proper number nine, something they've missed for a long time. And you know what? <laughs> I say it quietly, but now Joel Linton's not expected to be the main goal scorer. He's an actual footballer. He can play football. He's a Premier League footballer. And, and he got his goal, which he deserved, but he generally played very well. And I, I thought Newcastle... Newcastle were good. Palace is a hard place to go, whether you've got crowds in or not. Um, and to get the three points is, is huge for, for Newcastle. Yeah, Gareth, uh, on your in your backyard, uh, what, what, what do you make of it for Palace? Because it's, it's pretty depressing reading, isn't it? Because Palace always would probably pride themselves on finding a way to not get beat in these games. Yeah, it's so this game, I feel, was the one where both teams said to themselves, you know, if we're going to have anything about ourselves this year, we need to beat this team in front of us. Yeah, I think both definitely. teams kind of looked at the other one and went, yeah, you know, we, we should beat them. But most importantly, so on Fridays at the moment, on BFC4, um, at eight o'clock, they're showing uh, every top of the pops from 1990. So, you know, 50-odd through the, you know, they do two a week. And they're absolutely amazing. Like this sort of incredible cultural melting point between, you know, where rave and dance was coming. You still get your old school AOR ballads. And yeah. then you get these kind of janky indie bands that you're like, who the hell are Jesus <laughs> Jones and why are they on top of the pops? But my point is, like, these are so much better than watching any of the Friday night football that we've <laughs> served up <laughs> this season. And Listen. I'm looking, and this Friday is Villa Newcastle. And then you've got a slightly better um, Leeds West Ham uh, the week after. But essentially, if you're given the choice, if your other half is sitting there going, how much football are we going to watch this 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 weekend? All ten games, obviously, in Mark's 
you know case then watch top of the pops uh two on fridays you'll be so much happier yeah yeah but, yeah but gareth you're forgetting this friday it's it's, it's jackie Grealish under the floodlights i mean that is box office stuff I'm, well, I'm, that's I'm if that's all if there isn't that. a major covid outbreak in newcastle which apparently is a thing oh, oh is that right yeah there's uh they're expecting some some not good news test wise apparently Oh, interesting. Well, from Jackie Grealish to Jackie Brambles. Uh, listen, I'm I'm a huge fan Very of uh, Beats International, so I've been quite content watching them at least twice a night every Friday because I think they've been at number one for the last three months on there. But um, but yeah, sensational stuff. Uh, I also I very quickly, obviously, uh, Beats International. I think just like Grealish, it's very much dubs be good to me as well. Oh, there you go. Well, stuff. wonderful stuff. Good, terrific really stuff. great, terrific, terrific. Right. Um, let's 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 look at some of. Uh, I mean, Arsenal. We're going to have to want... talk about Arsenal, Grits. Are we going we're going to have to. Yeah, we, we are, man. We are. Oh, for God's sake. All right. Uh, let's. I mean. I mean, first of all, let's not the, the injury thing. Uh, like, was brutal to watch. You see those sort of clashes. I mean, the guy shouldn't be staying on the pitch no matter what. That I mean, that should be pretty self-evident. I think you know they talk oh, about and, this. And, and, and the fallout since. I mean, the Troy Deeney stuff on Talk Sport this morning. Yeah. I just think it's. Um, it's irresponsible, I think, really. That's, First of all, for Dean yep. to be going on and and talking like that. I mean, it's nothing. It should be nothing to do with what the player wants to do. The last person on the planet you should yeah. be asking if they're okay to play on is a footballer who's got a concussion. I mean, they're competitive by their very nature. They want to be on the pitch at the yeah. Premier League level. They want to be on because they want to be playing and whatever. As you go further down the pyramid of football. There's more pressure on. You need to stay in this game because if you don't, you might not get the next contract and then who knows what. Yeah. Players will play through anything because of that. You know what it's like, Grits. It, yeah. When you get like beyond and below the Premier League, the pressure is a different sort of pressure and you're now talking about livelihoods and players will play through that. That's why it's so dangerous. And it's also irresponsible, actually, for Talk Sport to um, clip that up, to, to edit that Troy Deeney thing and then put it out. And it yeah. went out and it went viral this morning. And I just think it's, I just think it is a stupid opinion. I think, it's, I know it's opinions, opinions aren't wrong, but it's a stupid one. And it's, I think it's just, yeah, it really wound me up this morning. I've got to say. Yeah. Well, listen, boxers aren't allowed to choose when they throw in the whites. The, the, exactly. The white exactly. Yeah, it, should, it should be considered that in football. Miles um, behind. What is miles yeah. behind when it comes to concussion? Yeah. Let's talk about the 30. I mean, Arsenal I just, they just don't seem to know how to win, do they? And they, they certainly don't know how to play together in, in a way that, that gets the best out of these players. No, and I, I get the sense that there is a stirring amongst Arsenal fans. I, you know, I, I think the fact that, you know, obviously there hasn't been fans at grounds for some time now is, has probably given Arteta a grace period. And, you know, I think that's running out now. There's definitely, you know, a lot of frustration with how this is going. That sort of period of, well, you know, let, let, let's see the team settle in. Oh, you know, they look defensively sound. That's an improvement. And, you know, we've talked on here about, you know, so far him not being able to marry, you know, the two sides of the game and, you know, leaning far towards defensiveness and not really, you know, bringing any sort of offensive capabilities. And, and that continues. And, um, yeah, it's hard to see how they're going to change it. Um, you've got, you know, he, he sent Ozil and Gwenduzi packing essentially. I know that they weren't pulling up trees, but it really does leave them looking fairly threadbare in the middle, especially creatively. Um, and it's, you know, there's probably isn't going to be much more money to to spend. They're obviously trying to sort of develop and bring in younger players, you know, from the academy out of necessity. But overall, it it does feel like Arteta is uh, sort of managing with one hand tied behind his back and 
And now there's probably going to be growing questions about whether he even is the best man for it. Mark, that's I think that's a pretty damning but accurate yeah. assessment. Absolutely right. Yeah, I agree with what everything Gareth said. I think, um, and I think there was a little element of glee in his voice as well there, um, and, <laughs> no, and rightly so. No, I'm sad. I'm very sad. <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing with Arsenal is, um, I think for the last sort of 15 years or so, they've been the club that I can tell from the outside looking in. They've been the club who are absolutely desperate to latch on to any new personality involved with the club and hail them as the second coming. And we've seen it so many times. Every Not long ago, they talk about uh, Torreira, the centre midfielder, who's now gone. They were saying yeah. he's the new Vieira, he's the next big thing, he's this, he's that. Now it's Arteta. Arteta's as good as Pep. Look, you watch what happens now. This is going to be incredible. Now it's Martinelli, who... He's 18, 19, he's a kid. He's, he's been injured for a while now with a bad injury. He's back in full-time training. But they're going to pile more and more pressure on these people, forgetting that they are just humans. And you can't take the weight of a fan base like Arsenal's on your shoulders at a young age like Martinelli is expected to do. And every time they do it, it collapses in on itself and they look stupid and they don't learn their lesson. And we see it time and time again with Arsenal. And I mean, I know here I'm talking about the fans more than anything, but that is what a club is, isn't it? That That is what we see. We're fans of clubs. So we see other other clubs through the prism of their fans, generally yeah. speaking. And it just seems to me that Arsenal are never going to get out of this trap. And that's not necessarily affecting directly what's happening for the entire team and the entire club. But it's definitely an element of that. And they need, they need to essentially reset and decide, okay, we start again. Forget about Wenger because we successfully got rid of him, which I'm sure they must be kicking themselves about now. Yeah. Start again, play a new type of football, get back to what they were doing uh, in Project Restart when they went and won the Cup because that was great. But something's happened. I'm not sure what it is, but it feels like we've started the slide now. And unless something fundamental changes at that club, Arteta's going to be gone in a couple of months and they're going to start again. Yeah. Well, this is it. I mean, you end up building bad on new uh, just constantly. And this is, well, this is a trademark of a lot of big yeah. premiership clubs. But, that but, but am I wrong clubs. there, Chris? Am no, I wrong? I, you, are, are Arsenal a team that do, they pin their hopes on, on individuals like really over the top and then they get disappointed and then am, am I wrong? Maybe I am. Well, it's, no, it's amazing that they don't, they haven't had a player that, I mean, Aubameyang maybe we flirted with it for a bit, but a player that just had this no nonsense was the best at what he did. That, I mean, I don't, I can't remember the last time Arsenal had maybe one of those guys. Uh, yeah. You, you look at, um, well, you look at, yeah, exactly. Maybe Sanchez, but you know, Sanchez was, um, you know, he wasn't necessarily a player that you could hang the whole team on. You know, he was he, he was a wide striker, uh, yeah, you know, over three. Yeah, okay. you, you say you look at uh, even Van Persie or Henri, but you look at the, the difference is mentality. And I, and I look at players like Cavani, the way Cavani came on, and we talk about that purposefulness and that belief. And it was just like, I'm going to sort this out. I'm going to get it. Just get on with it. That sort of attitude. And you're just like, You'd love that from your players yes. sometimes. And if I was an Arsenal fan, I don't know when I see that from my players. You see flashes of greatness, but it, it's not consistent. And you certainly don't see what Arsenal was built on was that kind of dogged, horrible defending that's just like kind of, they, they'd take pride in it, but they would, you know, do it as yeah, a but we were, But we were told, I, I, we were told by uh, a lot of pundits and a lot of people in the game that Arsenal have, uh, have got a newfound love of defending. We were told this a couple of months ago. Don't forget, it's only about five games ago they beat United away. And even in that game, they weren't that impressive. They won with a the penalty. They, you know, they did well to win the game, but it wasn't amazing. But 
we seem to be flip-flopping. We, I, t- I use the word we as, as the media and fans of football, seem to be flip-flopping between Arsenal being on the way back and Arsenal being just nothing and useless. Mm-hmm. And I think, actually, obviously, the reality is somewhere in the middle, but I don't know what to expect from Arsenal anymore, and that's 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 not a good sign. That's not a good sign at all. And let's talk about Arteta quickly, because, again, he's another one. We, we were told he was the next big thing, blah, 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 blah. But actually, I think this is a good example of where um, a a foreign manager who's worked for a, one of the best managers of his generation with Pep, who has a cool name and he dresses smartly. <laughs> but is there any substance to it? Is, is he any better than than half a dozen English managers you could name? I'm not completely convinced he is. Well, yeah, let's. I mean, the, the, but it's the, the Arsenal brand, isn't it? I, I get that as well. Yeah, and I think it's about it's about a collective. There's there's certainly a personality or a a personality about a club. I think that if you don't change that as a manager, then doesn't nothing changes. Doesn't matter if you're a coach. If the, if the underlying things are never changed, and to be honest, the Oxford situation, you have to you have to get players like that out of your football club because it will always be a problem. It'll always be a festering toxicity to your your tenure. Whether it's whether the players done nothing wrong. You know, I mean, the way Alex, Sir Alex Ferguson dealt with the players, you just get them out and you rebuild Gone. and you get players. You, yeah. And you're funny, you talk about Joe Linton and players like that. That's almost like a hallmark of some of these the South American players that once they do find their feet in the league and then they're like, oh, no, I can be myself. I don't have someone telling me that I'm not good enough all the time. Or even, and that's I, Steve I, Bruce. Yeah, exactly. That's Steve Bruce doing that. And I, some, and I love Richarlson for the same reason. You know, I know the guy's yeah. quite inconsistent, but... My God, he must be hard to play against, and the, the freedom that he plays with, he just and the work seem, rate. Yeah, he's, he's just he never stops. But you know, th- this is a thing that Arsenal are going to have to deal with, Gareth. I mean, it, it, do you feel that? I certainly think Jose's Jose's brought a personality to to Spurs. Just to go back to them quickly. Yeah, it's it does seem you know that power of a, of a leader hasn't been there. You know, like you said, since since Wenger, there there was this expectation that you know Arteta would sort of bring this you know professorial uh type of type of element a sophisticated kind of player who learnt at the, the the knee of Pep but you know he, he seems quite middling and I agree with what you're saying. I I was really high on Arsenal. I genuinely thought that coming out of the, the FA Cup win they would strongly push for the top four same, and same. could you know could be that sort of dark horse to really push the top two and you know, of the you know the big six as 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 we we see them, I think they're the ones who might end up being the furthest away. Yeah, yeah. well, and also by the way, just just to uh, sorry, just to finish on this yeah, bit, yeah, of course. From my point of view, is if I'm an Arsenal fan and I spent three, four, five seasons asking for Wenger out, and now I'm watching this while at the same time Arsene Wenger's doing his his book tour and yeah. he's talking to chat shows and coming across like the most intelligent sort of most uh, the sort of manager that you would absolutely kill to have at your club and to play for <laughs> it must be you must be pulling your hair out he just seems like the best person you could possibly have at a football club and to see that compared to what you've currently got must be <laughs> must be torture it's the comparisons between Obama and Wenger never end it would seem <laughs> you know uh, um, but listen uh, the last words I want to give it to them because uh, delighted to see them was that their first win Fulham tonight is that the first win in the league? I mean, it must be because they were below everyone else. Mm-hmm. Um, um, let me just have a quick look. Sorry, this is, this yeah, is terribly unprofessional. Terribly unprofessional of me. Um, 
another one too. No, it's the second, so, it's the second, second win. Win. Well, listen, start uh, that bit again. It was nice that yeah, sorry, Leon, we we'll start again. Well, listen, let's let's talk about. Fulham, uh, because I want to give them the last word tonight. Just after watching their performance, I think that's their second win of the season. Uh, tremendous effort tonight, but uh, in keeping with their recent form, Gareth. I mean, they've they've been they've been flattering to to do this for for some time, and and I think Scott Parker said in his post match, he was he, how pleased he's been with them, even when they've not been winning. Yeah, it's quite similar to I think West Brom. You can see a team that is growing and progressing, and we you know we did say that. You know, before the, the transfer window closed, they looked sort of wilf, you know, woefully ill-equipped, and then they did bring in a lot of players right at that deadline. And you know, some of them look like quite smart purchases. And the other thing is, obviously, they've benched Mitrovic. I know he's been carrying an injury. I think is is it a hamstring, but he's been he's been you know yeah. off the pace this season. But they have this much more sort of incisive, speedy counter-attacking team without him. And they no longer have to funnel everything through him. And he's a you know, he's a good player, but obviously when you play him, he does change the type of game that Fulham have to play. And, you know, with these sort of maybe slightly more unheralded players, you know, they they look very energized and, you know, very young and, and you know, they played direct and they were really strong on the counter. And, you know, if this is a sign of things to come, then they might have a shot. Yeah, absolutely right. The, the counter-attack tonight, they, they played it perfectly against a Leicester team that seemed a bit shell-shocked, Mark. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, exactly that. Um, Fulham have, again, to bring Sheffield United back into it, <laughs> they've got they've got players who can make things happen and change games, and, and they're willing to, to risk losing the game to win it, and that's that's what you need. Leicester, on the other hand, just looked a bit, um, looked a bit tired tonight, Leicester. I'm not really sure why, because they're not playing that many games. Uh, Madison came back in, it was okay, but I've got to say, Madison, what is it? Probably this time last year, we were really raving about him. Mm. Um, he was in the England squad, playing great. Big drop-off from him. I'm not sure what's happened, whether he's struggled to come back from the injury or what, but a big drop-off. He needs to sort himself out because he is a top, top player. And yeah. when he's ticking, Leicester tick as well. I think they've really suffered from not being able to play a consistent 11. I think Tielemans uh, and Madison haven't played together enough, and I think they're so key to, yeah. to creating that that creator. I mean, Gareth, we were speaking about this uh, off air, just talking about how Leicester have had a lot of games in other ways. You know, they've had internationals going away and playing. They've had um, Europa League. That They've had a few more games, and I think Fulham have really benefited from bringing in fresh faces. And, you know, I was really impressed. Loftus-Cheek, Cavaliero... Uh, Lookman, um, both, well, all three of them were brilliant, and Anguissa in midfield. I mean, they were just, they were kind of imperious, just running through uh, uh, Leicester. And I think they, they, they looked more ragged at the back than they did up front, Leicester. But, um, but it's no less concerning for Brendan Rodgers, Gareth. It is, and you know, last week um, Rodgers basically lamented that his injuries he felt were more impactful than Liverpool's when, you know, obviously they got taken to the cleaners a little bit. Um, and this was, I think, the same the same side that lost Liverpool. So I don't know whether it really is a case of, you know, a few injuries really changes the nature of this Leicester team. Or like you said, you know, they, they had a, a grueling free-all game uh, in the, the, the Europa League on Thursday, which obviously doesn't help. Um, but it's, it you know, it is worrying because, you know, Leicester... Yeah, you know, they're still sitting, sitting in fourth, and they're, you know, they're only, you know, one win off, off, off the top slot. But it does look like they're going in the wrong direction. And you know, 
I think Rogers still really splits critics. There, there's those who point out that you know he could say he's overachieving with Leicester, and then there's others, you know, and I'm in that camp who feels that when it really comes to crunch periods, he can come up short. Yep, listen. Yeah, but, they, but it's important to say that they are still fourth, like Gareth says. That they're still yes. doing really well, I think, and and there are huge clubs behind them. So let's yep. not get let's not go too mad. No credit to let's give Fulham the credit on that one. And this is very much a year when uh, teams are, can afford to take a loss and and still keep their place. Um, nice to be looking at the FA Cup games coming up rather than the ones that have just happened. Because as all proper footballers know, the, the FA Cup doesn't start till January. Um, but <laughs> it'll be nice to see uh, Marine <laughs> play Spurs. Yes. Um, um, I'm really looking forward to to some uh, non-league teams getting a, getting a run out against big teams. I think it might just be the shot in the arm. Uh, that non-league football needs uh, post 2020. And it's, it's, it's a, yeah. the the Marine one is particularly brilliant for, for both clubs because obviously you know Spurs just want to progress. Mourinho is keen to pick up trophies, so that's going to help. But also for Marine, they know that firstly Marine, you know, will be a superstar in the media. He'll say all the right things. He'll make it very exciting, and he'll also play just a, a conservative enough game that Spurs will probably win, you know, 2-0, 3-1. Nobody's going you know, to look terrible. <laughs> Nobody's going to be upset. Everybody wins. That's my prediction. Well, just just I before I... Sorry, sorry, go on, Chris. Don't go on, Mark. I was just going to say that the FA Cup's good for um, non-league, but actually, in a, in a strange way, the, the, the fact that non-elite football fans can go back pretty soon might also be a good shot in the arm for it as well. So it might be a good couple of months for non-league football and certainly lower league football. Yeah, let's hope so. Gareth, just to, uh, to back up your comment on Mourinho there, when I, just before I joined Macclesfield, they played they played uh, Chelsea, and it was Mourinho's Chelsea, it was Shevchenko and the boys. They beat Macclesfield 6-0 in, uh, in the FA Cup. Unfortunately, the goalkeeper for Macclesfield had been sent off, so the, the mm. captain and centre-mid had to go and go, and it was one of those ones when, imagine your worst nightmares as a player, <laughs> like you occasionally go and go for the after-training kickabout, and then you're in goal against Shevchenko and Drogba and the like. But um, it, they got beat 6-0, and after the game, Mourinho went into the dressing room. All the Chelsea players went in. They all gave shirts they all sat signed stuff chatted with the lads got the pictures taken then Mourinho gave the tactics board he was like just like couldn't have been a bigger I mean, gent just a you know? good lad yeah, yeah just like just and and it just such a lovely touch and I think even then I think a few of them went out on the beers uh, after the game in Lampard and, and a few of the other ones looked after the boys so um, you know I, Jose Jose is a big respecter of football people there's no doubt about that. He he absolutely has the game of football at his heart at all levels, and I, I really respect him for that and everything. He all those stories that you hear, brilliant. And there'll be there'll be twenty stories like that after the Marine yes. game, unless Marine Abs- win. <laughs> <laughs> yes, absolutely. Well, let's finish it there, lads. Great to speak to you both, Mark. We'll catch you on Football Three Six Five this week. I take it. Yes, please. All right, lovely stuff, Gareth. Uh, we'll be getting you back next week, no doubt. But uh, I, I'm guessing things are ramping up. What's it called in the music industry? Q4? Is that, Q4. That, is that what, Q4. Making Q4, a lot of exciting Q4. Christmas merch right now, actually. <laughs> well, listen, we'll, 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 uh, please do share that with us and the listeners next week. Um, lads, that was brilliant. Thanks. That was the Whistle Boys. Wasn't that a great podcast? Now, if you've got 90 seconds spare in your day, come and listen to ours. It's called What Has He Said Now? and is available wherever you got this podcast. You're going to lose a number of people to the flu. This is a Playback Media production. To listen to all our football podcasts, visit playbackmedia.co.uk.
Sports Social Podcast Network.